0: All right. Well, good morning. Everyone got up a little early this morning. Come in. Yeah, Yeah, I think between um, the five ladies we have in Rainier Valley this morning, finishing up the women's urban plunge with the mission and the time change. It's kind of a cozy group this morning, which is just fine with me because moments like this uh, allow us to go off script a little bit and just be us in the room and kind of Um, shake away just the routine of the morning and just remember that we're present with the the body of Christ, that this morning would be, in its essence, a a big, small group. Uh, And so I'll prepare the extroverts in the room. Extroverts have, or sorry, introverts have let me know that um, when there's going to be a time to get together and kind of circle up and pray with other people, they like advance notice on that because it can kind of stress the introverts out a little bit, which is fine. Uh, Never the extroverts. We love that kind of stuff, but that's not everybody. Um, And I'm learning that more and more, that not everyone is like me. Believe it or not, um, we'll get along a lot better in life if we just remember that, that not everybody's like me. If you just tell yourself that, save yourself a lot of headaches. But there will be some time when we get together in our uh, small groups, just with our neighbors right around us, and begin to ask the Lord about the next thing that's coming for us. Katrina and I were away. Um, Somebody remind me to take the offering at some point. (laughs) You did that already. You just did that. It's beautiful. Yeah, Lord, we uh, take these gifts, Lord. Really, Lord, take them. Thank you that you have provided again for every need, for every meal, for every night of rest, for every relational encounter. You have provided beyond what we could ask or imagine. And so, Lord, we keep, we're mindful of that this morning. Uh, Or we want to do incredible things for your name and your glory. Uh, Take the gifts that you've given us, Lord. Give us great imagination or more imagination that we could even know how to direct or the giving, how to make an impact so that people would point towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Katrina and I were away... Uh, in Walla Walla at a uh, pastors and spouse retreat with other pastors from our denomination. So believe it or not there's more than 104 square congregations just in the Northwest District. Our district is broken down into or our denomination in the United States is broken down into 12 different districts and we're part of the Northwest District of Four Square Churches which is all of Washington. It's all of Idaho, it's all of Montana and the Dakotas. Um, so most of those congregations are centralized in the greater Puget Sound area, but they extend into different places, and it's good to be away with other leaders in our denomination to just remember that we're not alone in the in the uh, journey that we're walking on in faith as the body of Christ, uh, uh, the specific four-square denomination, and, and we were away, and there's a district supervisor, his name is Dave Veach, and him and his team, their job is just to make sure that all the lead pastors of the denomination are well supported, and so we had a chance to be away uh, with our district leaders, and, and one thing that Dave had mentioned mentioned, and the things that he's learned as a pastor, and he's pastored for 35 years, I think, uh, was the Oak, pastor at Oak Harbor Foursquare uh, Living Word, and then moved, as has become the district supervisor as of 10 years ago, and something that he said to us while we're away is that he visits churches professionally now that he goes around, and he visits all of our congregations, and he said, the thing that we need to remember as congregations is that what got us here won't get us there. And he talked about a book called Canoeing the Mountains, and it it told the story of the early settlers that were coming from the east and coming to the west, realizing that they could take canoes as far as the base of the Rocky Mountains. But then the canoe wasn't going to get them over the mountains. There was going to have to be a new way of doing things to get to the place what they were hoping to get to. And um, in my little universe, where I like to maintain control and predictability, I like to know that what got me here will also get me there. Because then I can just trust in my own strength. It is so sweet to trust in myself is how that comes out in my soul sometimes. Now, the words are different, but what my soul is saying is it's, it's actually sweet to just trust what I know. It's terrifying to trust what isn't seen. Right? Terrifying. But what got us here won't get us there. We had a chance to spend some time with Ben and Alicia Ramos, the the former pastors of South Everett. Some of you know them, some of you don't. Uh, This was actually the second time that Katrina and I got to sit down and just spend some time with them, which was really good. And everything that they didn't know about pastoring a church was a journey of faith that got us here. And the thing that I wanted to say to them uh, when we sat down with them was thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, for setting us up so well to be able to lead in this next season. The way that they left this congregation when we arrived was in excellent condition. And that was because they trusted the Lord. And brought it to the next step. Now we can go back steps further and further and further that Ralph and Mary Joe, and Ted and Mary, right? And Hal and Ann and others would be able to say you wouldn't have believed what got us from there to there and there to there and there to there before that coming up on 25 years as a congregation. But we can't ever just rely on our own strength. It's always the Lord gets us to a place and then he's going to take us somewhere else. And so here we are again finding ourselves in the precipice of what God is here, which is exactly where we need to be, which is exactly where God has led us, isn't going to get us there. The thing between here and there is blind faith. And it requires us to recondition our hearts again. It's like working out. I worked out once. Great. Go do it again. You know, but I did it already. Yeah, do it again. Go endure some more. Endure some more. That's the thing about endurance is it just keeps going. But not in our own strength, in the Lord's strength. So what do we do in the waiting? What do we do in the wilderness? I think that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning I'm just going to look for a passage of Scripture. I believe it's in Matthew. It may not be. Again, we're just flying by the seat of our pants a little bit this morning. Maybe it's one of those passages in the Gospels where Jesus calls the disciples. We'll find one of those. It's towards the start. It says, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. That's everything they knew. I wonder if those two brothers at some point were a little nervous about knowing how to fish. Do you think that when they started their first day on a boat ever, that they may not have known what they were doing, that they were greenhorns of such that got their hands tangled up in the nets and didn't know what to do with the fish when they got them in the boat? But they had trusted, and they had learned, and they become confident in a skill. And right about that point when we become confident in a skill and good at something is usually when the Lord says, okay, I'm adding something new that's going to take you out of the space where you can do this in your own strength. It's just the way that he works. So they get to that point, Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said. And I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. The last two years, two plus years of my life are a season of which I will call the divine ambush. Because I felt like I had reached a place by the end of 2016 that I had done everything that I could do to perfect the task perfect, right? To master the skills that the Lord had called me to. We were at Eastside Fourscore Church. We were thriving in our roles. We knew how to do it, but we knew how to do it too well because all of a sudden it wasn't about trusting the Lord for stuff again. It's just, I know how to do this. I'm going to rock this thing. I know how to reach the community. I can do this in my own strength and got into a season where I began to feel a little bit unsettled, not disgruntled. Not upset, loved the context that we were in, but just a little bit unsettled. Like, I think the Lord wants to do something else. And for a number of years, I felt like I was holding on to my nets, because I knew how to do it, right? I like my nets, they're comfortable, don't mess with my rhythm. Anyone not like the rhythm messed with at work? If I went to work tomorrow and got there ahead of you and just rearranged your desk and walked away, set up a video camera... You might be a little bit disgruntled, right? Because someone moved your cheese. There's a book about that. Who moved my cheese? Forty years old. Still a good book. Because we still struggle with the same issues. We don't like people moving our stuff around. I'd become very settled. But the Lord was unsettling me. And I remember writing in my journal. Didn't see it until later. Until after we'd committed to go. But i had written in my journal, Lord, if... If you're ready to move me, I'm ready to be moved. And I think the Lord is gracious. He won't always move us out of a situation that isn't harmful to us, but there might be more if we decided to go, but he's patient. He lets us sit as long as we want before we take on the new thing that he wants to give us. There's going to be a a tremendous outpouring in trusting him with what we can't see, but he'll let us stay there in the old place. And finally, I said, I think I'm ready I'm ready to go if you want me to go. And then it just settled for a little bit. And then it started getting unsettled again in the fall. And then our lead pastor, DJ Vick, was called to take a church in Portland. And everything was becoming unsettled now. And we went to a conference and came back. And it was November 10th. And I had been reading a book by A.J. Swoboda, a four-square pastor in Portland, called The Dusty Ones. And it's all about having permission to wander around without being lost. The Israelites wandered and were lost. And he said that there's a, a quote by Tozer that says, Not all who wander are lost, but it's that place where we can go and trust the Lord. And so I've been reading this book about desert wanderings and being out there and just taking God at his word. And there's this quote in the book that I love very much. It says, To be in the ministry, to lead people in the way of the Lord, is to drown in an ocean of grace and invite a whole community to come and watch. Amen. I thought, what a beautiful statement to just say, I'm just going to drown in this, and I'm going to invite you to watch me trust the Lord. And I've been reading that, and I got a call on November 10th from friends of ours in Central California who had on the coast who had said, you know, Things are in transition at Eastside. This might be horrible timing, but we'd like to invite you down to pursue a position and check out a position that we have here in Eureka. And for the first time, I heard the Lord say, it's okay to go take a look at that. You're free. You're free to go from Eastside Foursquare, where you've been for 25 years. You're free. You don't have to go, but you're free to go check it out. And I thought, you know what? I called Kat, and we, we thought, you know, we're going we're gonna to go check it out. We're just going to see what the Lord has to offer and we're going to step out in faith and trust what he's going to do, which is scary because the church is in transition. Things are changing. A new pastor is coming. We don't know who it is. But we went in faith on uh, November 10th. I got that phone call, and we went about a month later. And in the process, a new pastor was hired at Eastside Foursquare, Rush Schlecht. Um And I remember going into his office one day. Uh, before he'd come to start at the church, he was there just for some meetings. And I said, "Hey, I need to let you know something. Um, I love being here, but I might be going somewhere else. I, I just don't know yet." That's a scary thing to tell your boss that you might not be where you are anymore. Because some bosses will say, "Well, great, go get your box and you you can go now." And the Lord said, "We'll go talk to him anyway." So I just came full disclosure. Hey, we're looking at this. I'm looking at a position at Seattle's Union Gospel Mission too. Um, And he said something to me that was so wonderful and only ordained by the Lord when we're obedient unto him. He said, you know what, that's fine. Go go take a look at what the Lord has for you. He goes, but promise me this. He goes, go to the place where you feel like the Lord is going to use you to make the greatest impact on the kingdom. And don't go anywhere else. And he goes, we're not going to backfill your position. You have time to go and just wander and see. And so we went and we wandered and we went to California and that wasn't where we were supposed to be. However, if we had not gone there, there were certain things that we would not have learned. We wandered into a, a chocolate shop called dick and taylor's in eureka california in this tiny little shack and we wandered into this place and you you come in and it was like disneyland in a sense there was so much creativity being executed in that space and it was one of the very very few chocolate shops in the united states and one of the very very few in the world that would do bean to bar so from the cacao bean to the bar, from the bean that makes the chocolate to the bar that gets eaten, they produce all of that in that space. And they have one of those windows where you can watch all the Oompa Loompas make the chocolate, right? And I'm thinking, this is incredible. And what is your story? And there was beautiful pictures, and, and it was curated well, kind of like Daniel Erickson had put it together. But it was just a beautiful space to be in, filled with creativity. And so I asked them the story about creativity. And I said, well, you know, we're... We're not really chocolate makers. We're just craftsmen. And before we used our craft to build boats, because Eureka, they build a lot of boats. So we were craftsmen, and we built boats. But we figured that because we weren't boat builders and we were craftsmen, we could apply that craft to other things. And so we started making chocolate. And now we've become one of the most famous chocolate companies in the whole world. It's based out of Eureka. You can go everywhere and buy their chocolate. But it's based there. And I left that space, and the Lord said a little over two years ago, He said, "This will be a season in your life, Chris Pepler, of renewed learning and renewed imagination, and you can take these gifts that you have in terms of pastoral care and leadership and ministry, and you can take it away from the one context that you know you can deliver in in your own strength, and you can take it to all sorts of other places because I've created you i 'm the one who crafted you to be crafty, to be creative." to imagine things out of nothing like he did at the point of creation. And so we came home and we took the leap of faith and we went to Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. And I thought in my own strength, this is where the wandering comes in. This is where the divine ambush comes in. Because at some point, those men were working within their craft. They were working within the set of skills that they knew and understand as fishermen and here comes this man named jesus and all he says to them is come follow me and i will send you out to fish for people sounds kind of exciting but i wonder if he'd let them read the rest of the gospels and into the book of acts and all the way to the end of revelation when one of these men was isolated and left on an island To die, When others were hung upside down, when others were stoned, and everything that we know that the disciples went through, do you think if they'd known in advance the trouble that would come in the following after Jesus that they ever would have put their nets down and followed Him? I don't think they would have. I don't think I would have, knowing some of the challenges that the Lord had led me through over the last two years and five months, would I have ever left the boat to go from the place that got me there to the way that I got to get to the place where I'm going. I don't know if I would have gone on that journey if I'd known everything that was going to be in the way. Does that make sense? Because I went to Seattle's Union Gospel Mission and what an incredible ministry. I got to go and shepherd and, and be a chaplain and a pastor for 200 staff that were out on the front lines just loving Jesus with the poor. And I got to do that, but I also got to be the vice president of human resources. Well, I don't have a human resource degree at all, but the leader at the time, Jeff Lilly, had creative ideas about how to do human resource work. And he said, well, what if we leaned into the pastoral side of that? Sounds really great for the people, but there's also, you know, layoffs and lawsuits and, you know... Compliance issues and how to run payroll and you know how to deal with employee conflict and, and resolution, all the rest of that. And when I was getting ready to wrap up at the mission. Jeff said to me, he goes, not because great things didn't happen, but they said in regards to human resources, the mission in 87 years has never had a year quite this hard. And we put a guy in the seat. He said, we put a guy in the seat that didn't know how to do any of that. So I got to play the fool for a year in some regards, but put on display all the things. You ever been in a situation where you feel like every shortcoming that you have is on full display? That's humbling. But to lean into that and say, I will do the thing that I know to do in this place where I feel like I'm failing in my own strength. And at the end, in that year and a half that I was there, they said, even though you didn't know anything about human resources, you were the exact right person to have in that position because you loved people well in a season where we needed our people loved really well. And it was terrifying. And I'm so glad that I went in retrospect. But I don't know if I'd have put the nets down if the Lord had given me all the details. And yet we cry and moan and beg for what? The details. The details. We want to know everything. But we see a lot of people in faith throughout the scriptures not asking all of those questions. Some of them do. Abraham seemed to have a pretty okay time picking up and going. Where? Just go. Moses struggled a little bit, right? These disciples seemed to do pretty well in the outset. Peter struggled a little bit. So there's a whole spectrum of our response to God in faith. But he always calls us to the highest measure, to the highest aim. Put down your nets and follow me. And yes, it will be a divine ambush. You will never have seen this coming. But trust me, I'm with you in the midst of all of it. Does that make sense? So in the midst of that terrifying, wonderful scary year that I had at the mission that I wouldn't trade for anything. I go on a visit with Chris Manginelli at Mill Creek Foursquare because we were attending there at the time. Again, taken away from everything that we knew and understood, taken away from our family at Eastside, taken away from the comfortable relationships, put in new places. And it was March 8th, which was just two days ago. I was sitting, I was writing in my journal, I'm like, that's the date when... I walked into Chris's office on a Thursday afternoon just to talk and kind of get a pep talk for everything we're going through. And he says, he goes, man, if you if you sit in this office very much longer, I'm going to offer you a job. <laughs> like, what? I work at the mission. That's what I do. But I already knew that the Lord had been speaking again. Because if we go back to a year before that in March... The first time we visited Mill Creek Foursquare, we pulled into the parking lot and I heard the Lord whisper in the same tone that he whispered when he said, it's okay to leave Eastside. We pulled into the parking lot at Mill Creek. He said, you're going to be here for a minute. Like, you'll be associated with this for, and I just thought, okay, I have no idea what that means, but he did. He knew he's faithful in the wanderings every step, uh, every step of the way I skipped over part of this story i told you that on november 10th um, we'd heard the lord say it's okay to go and wander i think it was december 22nd or 23rd in that wandering process of going to eureka and going to the mission and coming back to east side and around and round again and wandering season i was in a starbucks parking lot in canyon park and i took a phone call from jeff and dave at the mission they said would you come and work for us and it took me a few days to figure it out, but I went back and I counted the days, from the day the Lord said it was free, I was free to go and wander to the day where I accepted the position that the mission was exactly 40 days. Very interesting sometimes how the Lord works, not into numbers and what does it all that mean, but sometimes I think if we pay attention, the Lord just drops little hints along the way, that it's OK to go and wander. So this wandering process continued. Some of you may know this, some of you may not know this, because Ben Ramos is a journal or two. January 11th was the day at the mission when I sensed the Lord begin to say, this is not the place where you're going to set up long-term camp. January 11th. I did not know who Ben Ramos was. I had no idea who he was. The same day, January 11th, 2018, Dave Veach comes to talk to Ben Ramos about potentially taking a church in Idaho Falls. Isn't that wonderful how the Lord just works in tandem? Because when transition happens, it happens in multiple places, and only God is creative enough to orchestrate it amongst those that don't even know each other yet. And so we picked up and we went, and now we're here. And that's been interesting, too, because what I've learned is that I've never really had to trust God with promises. You ever heard somebody say, what's God promised you? Is anyone else like me for most of my life when I just my response was, I don't know, I I got what I need because it's I got my nets. Have you ever felt that way when people until a year ago or two years ago, when people would say, what does God promise you? I would say, I don't know. I've, I've got everything that I need. So he provided, but I wasn't stepping out in faith into the next thing. What got us here won't get us there. And when we get there, what got us there won't get us to the next place. It's going to be this over and over daily, die to self, trust the Lord with blind faith process that we walk through. What is the Lord got in front of you that you don't want to deal with right now because you're afraid that to get there it's going to cost you your control or it's going to cost you your sense of peace and your own strength and understanding. But the Lord doesn't promise peace in our understanding. The Lord says He promises peace that transcends our understanding. Think about that for a minute. We have peace to do what we understand, but that's not the kind of peace that the Lord says that He gives. He gives a greater peace, but it costs us our understanding. But then it makes good stories that they write in the Bible. Simon and his brother Andrew. What if they hadn't trusted the Lord? What if they hadn't participated in the divine ambush? What if Jesus hadn't gone to that place of sorrow where it says his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow the night before he was to take the sins of the world on his shoulders? Sometimes, and this ties in a little bit to what we were talking about with depression, more revelation from that last week. That just because we're in a place of sorrow doesn't mean that we're still not immediately within the will of God. I thought about that this week because we're talking about how to overcome depression. But I'm reading in the garden and I'm like, wow, it says that Jesus' soul was overwhelmed with sorrow. And that probably wasn't a bad thing. Going back to the discussion we had about the Israelites, the southern kingdom in exile in Babylon. They were in sorrow. But they were also within the will of the Lord because the Lord had said and promised to Jeremiah that they were supposed to set up camp there and seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. So they were in sorrow and in the will of God. And Jesus was in sorrow and within the will of God. So sometimes, I would say the last two and a half years have been a season, I mean, great things have happened, but my soul has been sorrowful because I've missed people, I've missed relationships, I've missed what I've known. I bet there was days when these guys missed fishing. So sometimes the Lord let them go back and fish some more, right? We know that the Israelites missed Egypt, even though it was bondage. They missed it. They complained and griped and moaned about how they couldn't be back where it was predictable. In slavery, unbelievable what the flesh will do to us, right? Promises. As soon as I wandered out into the desert, where I didn't have anything that I knew in my own strength any longer i started to hear the voice of promise in my life for the first time and they started coming so fast if i didn't write them down i'd forget them they were coming that fast so i've written them down and the lord is starting to answer some of those promises for someone who is very very extroverted and likes lots of relationships leaving relationships is like death Leaving Eastside felt like death, which I'm glad that it did in a sense, because if I didn't miss the relationships, what did they mean in the first place? I'm already starting to tell whenever it is that the Lord calls us or you somewhere else, that's going to feel like death to me because you're becoming family. Just how it works. So leaving Eastside felt like death. Leaving the mission felt like death. Death. Getting to Mill Creek and then leaving Mill Creek felt like death. It was like, Lord, what are you doing? When we'd been there a year and I sat down with Chris a year and two days ago, kind of in my lack of faith, he said, I'm offering you a job. And I said to him, I kid you not, I said, well, good, because I'm really starting to fall in love with this place. And he says, well, then you're going to be sorely disappointed with what I'm about to offer you. (laughs) Because it ain't here. In my own strength and understanding, I was liking the nets at Mill Creek. And then in faith, my wife and I had to come here on a rainy night in March 2018 with Don Cain and come into this room right here into a dark, empty room on a rainy night. And in the flesh, I thought, "Mm mm-mm. And in faith, the Lord said, remember the church's people, and the people aren't here right now remarkable the lord starts to speak to us in the voice of promise or maybe he's always been speaking and because we were so oversaturated with our own understanding we just couldn't hear could that be the case we just couldn't hear the promises present day i've got this one promise in my last journal it's a picture of a heart that isn't broken but it's fragmented. And I think there's a difference there because maybe it's broken in the sense of missing relationships, but it's just in different pieces. And one section of the heart is written Eastside Foursquare Church. That'll always be a part of me, right? It's like when Paul writes, I long to be with you, church at Philippi, church at Laodicea. Church of Galatia, I long to be with you, and maybe someday I'll return to you. If you've if you been in that place where you're missing a place where you're not anymore, I think that's what Paul felt when he wrote. I wish I could be with you, and I just, doggone it, I can't. We don't even have Snapchat or FaceTime or WhatsApp or all those things that make it so easy to connect with our friends all over the world. It was gone. It was over. Like He wrote this letter, and maybe they wrote it, read it, maybe they read it. Who knows? It's It's out there. So he longed to be in places where he couldn't be anymore. So one part of my heart is Eastside Foursquare. And this picture that I drew, this picture I got from the Lord. The other part is Seattle's Union Gospel Mission. The other part is Mill Creek Foursquare. And then there's this wrap that went around it. And it was it was kind of like a flowing banner or something, that like a, a rope or something that could tie it together. And the Lord said, he promised, he says, I will use the context at South Everett Foursquare to wrap up all of your other contexts. I will use it all. I will make it one. And I thought, okay, any day, you know, like you can do that, Lord. And so we've been wandering in that, even wandering in this place. And then two weeks ago, we had a meeting at my house for the Urban Plunge. We had all 18 people that are participating in the one that's currently happening and the one that's going to happen a week and a half from now. And everyone's at my house, and there's a couple folks from Eastside Foursquare there that just love what we did and want to join in. And there's some people from Mill Creek that are joining in to go into the city, and then there's a whole swath of us that are there. And I'm like, oh, Eastside's here, Mill Creek's here, South Everett's here. And we're talking about the mission. We're going, and the Lord said, I'm binding it all up in this overwhelming peace that I hadn't sensed since before I told the Lord I was ready to, move from east side if he needed me to go to the next place peace that transcended all understanding but it was a dark lonely walk in the desert where i learned to hear the voice of promise so i could understand when he was delivering on his word let's not run away from those seasons of sorrow and pain because he's going to do something with it look what he's doing with it I wouldn't want to be anywhere else but here in this season. In my, sometimes I can't sleep at night because my imagination just takes over. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Mary Jo. Imagine. This is where we come into play. This isn't just what the Lord's doing in me. Because if I'm doing my job right, it's to stir something up in you, to help you become less comfortable in the place where you are, to imagine this, to ask the Lord what journey you're supposed to go on. Maybe it's a journey connected to here. Maybe we're supposed to send you off to plant a church. Foursquare Reimagine is going to start giving us 50% of the money that we tied to the district back to do church planting and outreach and missions. So we have money just, not tons and tons, but money pouring back in. That's enough to go start something small. Who's supposed to go from here? Because if we're healthy, we're reproducing at some point. So maybe it's a longer journey. The Lord didn't do this quickly with me. He did it over 30 months. But what are you supposed to be imagining right now in the seat where you sit? And some of you are brave enough, will be brave enough, in about eight minutes to share it with somebody else sitting next to you for the very first time then a secret that you've kept yourself becomes a sacred covenant and somebody else knows. And doggone it, I bet they'll follow up with you. <clears throat> Danessa Gonzalez. Had to open my mouth and say, Yo quiero aprendo español. And mi amiga Danessa says, ¿Está bien? And then I get busy and I don't study my Spanish and she Facebooks me and says, ¿Cómo estás su español? And I'm like, darn it! But I'm glad that Danessa texts me and says, keep working on it. When we tell someone a dream, if we don't tell somebody, it'll just die with us. But we keep telling people. And then they bug us about it. That's the body. We spur each other on towards love and good deeds. What do you want to do in faith that's going to scare you and depress you and push you way out of your comfort zone, but you know that if you walk through that desert, God will meet you at the end and fulfill His promise. Right? I don't want to send you off. Because if we send off Danessa, who's going to sing like Danessa sings? Right? If we send Jim and Nancy off, who's going to come and faithfully set up signs when it's 27 degrees outside? Like, who's going to do that? Who's going to pick me up and swing me around if Rich Titus isn't here anymore? Right? But if you're supposed to go at some point, like, I want to do the work of preparing you to go. And if you're supposed to stay, then let's get busy doing whatever it is that God is imagining us for us to do right here, right now. Okay? Good stuff. Isaiah 54, so, by 12 days ago, I was totally wrecked because the Lord had answered this promise of reconciling my context. And that's just a relationally exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting to see the Lord do what he said he was going to do. It takes it out of us and that's OK. It's just we put a lot in and when God answers our prayer, sometimes it's all we got left. Right. And so we've gone down to the mission the next day with Colleen and Chris to, to scout the plunge a little bit more. And by the next day, I'm sitting with um, Chris Nixon and um what happened to the book of Isaiah? Where'd that go? Do these books ever run around on you? Isaiah 54. So I'm sitting with Pastor Chris Nixon and I'm usually checking in on her and I'm like, forget it. I'm just, you're going to be my counselor for an hour and I'm just going to, you know. All this stuff is going on, all this emotion is going on in me, and the Lord's reconciling these contexts, and I'm having this peace that I don't understand, and it's wearing me out, so will you just listen? That's why we need each other. And I said, I picked up my my tent pegs from Eastside in faith. Here's the divine ambush, right? I pick it up in faith. Oh, let's wander after Jesus. This seems like it'll be a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, secondary fun. You heard about this, primary and secondary fun? Primary fun is the fun that you're having while you're having it, you're in the moment, you're like, this is fun. That's not the best kind of fun. The best kind of fun is secondary fun, which is the fun that you're in the middle of it, and it feels like hell, but when you're done, you can't believe you wouldn't go out and do it again. That was so great! And then you sign up and do it again. Ragnar the second time. Marathon the second time. Whatever it is that we mission trip the second time. And you get out there and you're like, this wasn't. This isn't how I remember it. You know what I'm talking about? You go out and do the hard thing again secondary fun is the fun that you have in retrospect. But it's the better kind of fun because you have all the memories of the good things that happened. You can't feel the pain anymore. But it's a cycle, and the Lord will run us through it again and again and again. So I thought I'd pick up those tent pegs and move them from east Side to the mission. And I realized when I got there, I just ended up holding my tent pegs the whole time. I thought I was going to put them down. I didn't. And we got to Mill Creek, and I thought I was going to put them down, and I didn't. And then last week, or two weeks ago, the Lord said, you can put the poles down. You can dream here. You can move forward here. Well done in this 30-month set of whatever it was, the divine ambush, the 30 months of that. For now... What got me from where I was to where I was when I left Eastside could not get me to where I was here. What got me here will not get us to where we're going next. It's time to start the stupid cycle again. <laughs> but the more times we run the cycle, the more we trust in faith that He will always deliver on His promises. It's not ethereal for me anymore. It's backed up with miracles of how the Lord provided. The story I just lived... I've only other people have ever let, I only got to read about that stuff in books, and now I can write one. And I'll write another one, and so will you, on how that works. So I tell her, I'm going to put these tent poles down, and I feel like I can settle in, and this is the place where I'm at. And then like, like Chris Nixon does, and if you haven't spent any time with her, go to coffee sometime, because she'll just read your mail, and bring the word, and encourage you. And because she knows the word, it just comes to her, and it never returns void. So I'm talking about this empty place and moving to a place that's not empty anymore. And she goes to Isaiah 54, and it says, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who had a husband. Enlarge the place of your tents, stretch out the tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen their cord, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, for your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. She says, shout for joy in the barren seasons, because it's the shouting that ends the barrenness. And she said, enlarge your Tent, stretch the cords, lengthen the curtains, strengthen your stakes, and spread out to the right and the left. And she looked right at me and she said, And when you put those tent pegs down, she goes, Dream big. Little Chris Nixon, she's just like, Dream big. We are with you. Dream bigger than you think that you can or believe that you will be able to because the Lord will do it. This is what she's saying to me, and I'm just crying. And But this is where we've landed. And so for a few minutes, what we're going to do is just get into groups of three or four, no bigger, because I want you to be able to share. And it really, this is how I work. I will push you to the absolute edge of your comfort zone, but if you just can't, you can tap out, no guilt, no shame. But I encourage you to share a secret with somebody, not one of those, like, scary, ugly, sinful secrets. We ain't going there. Share a good secret. Share the thing that you don't think that the Lord can do with you. Share that thing, not because I want any recognition or propping up or attaboy's or whatever. Because the Lord has—that's a whole other story about how the Lord beat that out of me over the years before, two years ago. But I feel like the Lord has said. This, this congregation will be a beacon of how to do local missions well for the denomination. That the denomination will look at the work of this congregation, and please just leave my name out of it, really. But that he will use this congregation to be a model of how to engage a neighborhood really, really well. That's my, okay, so I have just confessed it to all of you. You don't have to confess it to like two people. That denominationally, the Lord will use this place. I'm saying that in scary faith this morning. Because what if it doesn't happen? I'm going to look like an idiot. And we're trusting God again. Here we start the cycle. What is the Lord doing in you? What's the scary secret that you're going to share with someone about the big dream that you have that once you share it won't be a secret, it'll be a sacred covenant? It means someone's going to push you in it. And make sure you're working on your Spanish, your Duolingo app, every night. I'm like, I got you. Danessa's going to text me, and I just got to know I'm doing my Spanish because I want to. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for divine ambushes. Lord, thank you that you call us to put our nets down. You say, oh, just come follow me. It'll be just fine, and it will be, but not fine according to our standards. It's a peace that transcends all understanding in the midst of grief and hardship in loss, in frustration, in in blindness, in our own strength. But Lord, in all of that, you do something in us that's quite remarkable. You do more than we could ever ask or imagine. Father, I pray that you would breathe life on the dreams of every man and woman and young person in this room right now. And Lord, give the ones that are supposed to share in faith courage to tell somebody a secret, something you've been whispering to them about, the places that you want to take them. Lord, I pray that accountable accountable relationships would be set up in this time and that you would give us the strength to to do what we can't do in our own strength. Lord, may your power be made perfect in our weakness. Lord, give us wild imagination. Help us dream. Help us us dig into learning more. Help us to be a congregation that um, is a beacon of light and hope. But you got to show us, Lord, because we're, we're refusing to go without you. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so group up in threes and fours, and we got about ten minutes till the kids get out. We'll dismiss at that. You're free to go afterwards. Thanks for being here. Uh, next week's gonna be awesome. We have Gary and Paula Hayes coming. I'll just tell you this real quick before you go. Real, real quick, sorry, I told you to talk, now I'm telling you not to talk. Gary and Paula Hayes are missionaries in Thailand. Uh, They don't even like kids. They left Mill Creek. They lived in Mill Creek. They quit their jobs about a dozen and a half years ago and moved to Thailand and now have seen over 150,000 kids come to Jesus. Over 80% go through discipleship. They're leaving here to go to South America and then to the Congo, but they live in Thailand because the whole world is wanting to see this model about how kids are coming to Christ. Their friends of ours will be with us next week as we really kick off our God in the City series. Amen? Amen. All right, enjoy your discussions. You've been listening to a podcast from South Everett Foursquare Church. For more information about us, please visit us online at www.southeverett.org.